everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, and this is a solo. I'm by myself today. Hi. Uh, my voice is a little rough today because uh, I cut the grass the other day, and uh, I guess some of the stuff got in my sinuses, and it caused me to cough a little bit, and so my throat was sore the other day, but now it gives me this cool like radio voice like, hey, baby, how you doing? How you doing? Luke, I am your father. You know, one of those kind of voices. So <clears throat> I want to talk today about a few things. I've watched a few things on TV that I haven't commented on in a while, and I just sort of wanted to let some time pass so that it wouldn't be like spoilers and that kind of stuff. But also, I more or less wanted to talk today about self-care. And by that, I mean that once in a while, it's important for us all to sort of take a moment and reset and sort of breathe differently, if that makes any sense. Um, since I've been well from my injury, I've been working a lot of hours. And there is moments where it seems like you're committing to working all the time. I saw recently that someone from work posted that the job that normally takes 12 people right now, there's only seven people to do it. And so you're getting a lot of people who are burnt out. A lot of people who are doing more than they've ever done before, trying to pull off this miraculous thing of keeping everything afloat. Meanwhile, we are actually in a system right now with a booming economy and there is jobs everywhere. Like everywhere that I've been, there's been people hiring. There's been people posting jobs, now hiring. Almost every place that I go in that serves food says they're hiring. Um, every business that we get product from is hiring. Every business that has to do with us moving product is hiring. We are hiring. Um, I don't know what's going on right now with the jobs situation and who has the luxury of doing nothing and somehow still being able to survive. I don't know how to relate to this. I don't know. I don't know how it's sustainable. Um, me personally, I feel like I am doing a lot and from time to time I forget to take a moment to evaluate myself and say do we have everything that we need are we getting enough food are we getting enough sunlight are we getting enough rest are we getting enough water are we remembering to do some things that have nothing to do with work so that we can then reset our minds and refocus our energies and sort of tackle the day a different way and I fully expected to have to work today uh, because there was a lot of things going on and because we're understaffed and because there's hiring and stuff like that. And I got the notice kind of last evening of, you know, no, we're not doing anything today. We're going to, the person that we had lined up didn't show up uh, for training. So I ended up with an unexpected day off and I sort of told myself that if nothing else came up, that I was going to use today to practice some self-care. So this morning when I got up, I 
did have a few things to do around the house, you know, laundry to catch up on and stuff like that, some shopping. But I'm like, I take a, I took a moment and like had like three cups of coffee and watched some stuff on YouTube, just nothing for work, nothing that necessarily had to be done. No research needed to be done. Just me enjoying the morning. Um, I reached out to my mom and asked her if she wanted to go have lunch today. I know that oftentimes she's too busy. Um, she has a lot going on with her job. Um, so I didn't know if she was going to be available, but in the past, that's something that we've enjoyed. We've been able to, uh, take a lunch and go to one of my favorite little taco bars in town, a place called King Hefe here in uh, Florence, South Carolina. And, you know, it's near her work. She can just walk across the street to be there. It's a, you know, it's a whole thing, but she she, you know, she answered right back and she said, I'd love to, I'm actually available tomorrow. How about, you know, between I can be there at 12 15, but I got to be back, you know, teaching at two at one o'clock. And I'm like, okay. So I knew I was going to meet her. Um, it's Wednesday. So there's a new Loki on Disney plus I watched episode three, which is called lament is the title of the episode. Um, and I haven't talked about Loki really. I mean, I wanted to talk about it last week, but, um, Greg hasn't watched it and I didn't feel like it was okay to spoil it for him then, but here's the spoilers. If you haven't watched it now, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about episodes, uh, one, two, and three. Okay. This is just me doing my thing of what I want to talk about. Cause this is stuff I heard. So if you don't want to hear it, skip past this part. But if you want to talk about it and you want to hear my thoughts on it, keep watching, keep listening. Um, so anyway, episode one, we get to see Loki being taken in by the timekeepers authority and Owen Wilson plays a very interesting character called Mobius. And Mobius is a uh, sort of a functionary lawyer, handler, accountant type guy who apparently works for the timekeepers authority and is supposed to be, managing the timeline in some way. And he's trying to research what's going on with a variant of the timeline, creating havoc along the timeline. And, you know, as the viewer, we're not sure what's going on until the, the episode sort of progresses. We realize that he is interested in Loki for a reason, because the variant in this scenario is a Loki from another timeline. Uh, Sylvie is her name. We find that out uh, as episode two begins. Uh, they start to interact more, or th there's more of a pursuit of Sylvie. Uh, we don't learn her name until episode three, but she apparently is after the Timekeeper's Authority for something. Now, I've watched a lot of YouTube stuff to see sort of who the Timekeepers are made up of. There's a character within the Timekeepers that's like a, there's three lizard looking people, and one of them is supposed to be like a big Marvel villain. And I'm not exactly sure any of it. Like I am learning this as I'm going. So like I'm having fun as a viewer, but also like, I feel like I, I owe you guys something to know what I'm talking about. Even though I oftentimes don't <laughs> it's listen, this is just for fun. So, um, I'm enjoying the episodes just like you are. So we get to see Loki pursuing this, what they call variant. And there's a funny little, segue in uh, episode two where he does a lot of research he's trying to figure out what's going on you learn that mobius has kind of gone to bat for loki and said that hey if if he doesn't come through like i'll 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 get rid of him myself i'll erase him and 
there is this desperation of Loki wanting approval and wanting to prove that he is successful and he is useful and that he does have a purpose. But I don't think we fully know what his motivation is. Like part of it is just the approval part of it, but part of it is also his pursuit of power. And part of it also, I think, is he's hoping, I think, to have the power to change the fact that his mother had died. Um, it was his adoptive mother, mother, uh, Frida, who raised him. And, you know, in episode one, he gets to watch like a version of his life where Mobius shows him that it's because of Loki's actions that Frida is actually killed in Thor's second movie, the uh, whatever it's called. I forget the second one, you know, that one. Um, it was sort of one of those accidental things where he was trying to throw the sin off himself and ended up getting her killed in the process. and. He feels guilty about it because he loved her because she was kind to him no matter what happened with his pursuit of playing around with his brother and his friends and, and the people of Asgard and, and Earth. Um, she still loved him like a mother loves a son. And so I think in, in this pursuit of this story of Loki, we're going to see him try to somehow gain control over the time variance and figure out how to change that reality. Um, you know, if he's supposedly a god in his own little world and he realizes he's not a god as far as the time variance is concerned, he wants to have some type of godlike experience where he can control things. That's that's the ego driving him. That's the thing that he wants more than anything else is to be able to control the outcome. Um, you know, he meets Sylvie in episode two. Uh, you could You get to see more of her plot where she apparently is trying to do something really devastating. She's hiding out in these apocalypse scenarios where the time variance just stops paying attention because she's realized that that is a weak point. And it's Loki that sort of figures that out. He's like, you know, if I was going to hide out, this is where I'd hide because you, you, you guys aren't paying attention because you think that this timeline is just going to end. Well, that's where I'd be using all of my resources to do whatever I wanted to do. And so they figure that out and they find her. And I think that maybe this is set up for a reason because when she escapes at the end of episode two, there is like this portal that stays open just a little longer than it should be, in my opinion, just long enough for him to get in. And so he enters it and he's pursuing her and they're inside the TVA. They're not in the earth or they're not, they're not in a earth. They're in the TVA and they're literally, he's following her in pursuit of trying to get to the, the 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 head people the timekeepers um i don't know what her goal is i don't know what she was planning i don't know if she plans on just confronting them and killing them or you know somehow trying to see if they're real so that she can then call bs to everything else um there is a moment where in season in episode three um where he realizes that um by her manipulation of one of the guards she has to go into their mind and in order to use her power to manipulate their mind, she has to somehow go into their memories. And she says it goes back hundreds of years to this person's time when they were young and on earth. And up to this point, Loki's interaction has been that Mobius has told him that we are all created by the TVA. Like there was nothing. And then we were here. And now he realizes that's a lie, that that wasn't real that these people were people before. And even Sylvie has figured that out. And she tells him, yeah, all the people within the TVA were, 
were were people. They were all variants at some point. And so like even he's starting to he, you know, while helping out the TVA as a variant, he's also thinking, you know, there's there's more going on here. There's more to the story. And I loved episode three because you got to see them sort of face off with each other, using their powers against each other in a way. I mean, she tried to use her mind manipulation over him. He says it didn't work. You get to see him use his magic over her uh, to make things disappear or reappear or whatever. And he, in the pursuit of trying to team up with her or understand her or at least get information from her, uh, sort of breaks this thing that's supposed to help them travel through time and space. And they get stuck on some planet that's being annihilated by this moon that's crashing into the planet. Now, he wants to understand her power. Like, he asked her multiple times about her powers and about how to use her powers. And she's sort of giving him some inside information on how to do that. While he's on the surface saying all this stuff that he thinks that she wants to know about him and saying, listen, I'm I'm all forthcoming and you haven't told me anything. And it seems like he's given her all this information, but it's not really... It's not really important information. It's more about his heart and less about like abilities. And she doesn't give any inside information about her heart, but she gives some information about her abilities, which I think is important. I think that in him doing that, he is using her power against her right now. The episode has a moment where she appears to fall asleep and then wake up. And Loki is like singing and dancing. And he's got the people on the train singing and dancing. And, he gets into a huge fight with everybody and the two of them are fighting everybody. And all of a sudden he's thrown off a train and she has to follow him because he has this device that's supposed to get them off this planet. And then the thing is crushed and then he's using her to get help. And all this is going on. I'm thinking, hang on the moment she fell asleep. Did she really fall asleep or did he somehow use her powers? Like he figured out how to use her powers and now he's using her powers against her it's neat the way this story is told. Like Loki is something like unlike anything else I've ever seen. And the fact that this can go in a lot of different ways and it is that art of illusion and that art of, you know, what if this was your ability? What if your ability was to make people see what you want them to see? What if it was your ability to look like people in an instant? Like that was one of his powers is he could change his form. He could change the way he looks. He could, the whole thing has a lot of fun to it. There's a fun element in it. And meanwhile, like this is sort of the Sopranos model of we're going to show you the bad guy, but also make you love the bad guy just for being the bad guy. Like no matter what, he's the guy that you're rooting for, even though he's a bad guy. I mean, Loki in this, in this Marvel universe is the bad guy, but also we're sort of rooting for him. I mean, Breaking Bad was like that. You know, we're going to show you this guy that, hey, he had no choice. This is what he had to do. But also, he get he gets progressively worse as the show goes on. But you're still sort of rooting for him. And Loki's that way. Loki is this anti-hero that we still root for. And now we have another version of Loki in Sylvie. And there's moments of Sylvie that I had to I had to look up her name to make sure it wasn't Catherine Winnick from Vikings because she she looks a lot like her in 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 the way she fights and the way she looks, but she's younger. Um, and they do look a little different, but they're very similar in the blonde hair and the, the stature and the, the martial arts ability. Um, but I'm very happy with the first three episodes so far. Um, we don't see 
much of the TVA in episode three. It's more about Loki and Sylvie sort of finding, you know, finding out information about each other and trying to manipulate each other and trying to backstab each other to get what they want. And yet, while we don't learn why Sylvie wants to take down the TVA or confront the TVA in person, we do know uh, that her power is just as equally matched as Loki's in a way. And she can match him blow for blow pretty much. So it makes for a very interesting twosome. Uh, I don't know if the plan is for her to be in every episode, but I kind of have the feeling it is going to be. Uh, I think we're going to learn more of her story. I think that, you know, episode three sort of leaves on a cliffhanger because their hope was to get aboard this ARC spaceship and take off and make it off this planet before things go wrong. And the spaceship gets crushed by a giant piece of the moon that crashed onto it. So that's not going to happen. It leaves on a cliff note. And there's going to be something that gets them off there and continues the story along. But it does make it to where, like, we're investing in both characters now. So they're just, they're broadening the tapestry of the show, which I like. <coughs> Sorry. Self-care. My uh, scratchy throat. gotta have some tea so anyway enough about loki that's pretty cool um i finished watching lucifer lucifer had its final half of the final season come out and i binged watched all of the episodes actually i've been done with it for over a week but i haven't talked about it uh lucifer was a lot of fun uh especially in the beginning with the idea of the premise of the show was the devil was sick of being in hell and decided to come to Los Angeles and take a little vacation. And in that process, falls in love with a girl. Doesn't call it love for a long time, but falls in love with a girl who's a detective. And the show is very clever in the fact that, you know, being a detective show, which is basically what it is, um, every episode they get to solve another crime and he has an ability to look at people in the eye and say, tell me, is, tell me what you desire most. And they're enchanted and they tell them what they desire most. And he can do that with everybody except for this detective named Chloe Decker. And he's perplexed as to why she is unmoved by his abilities. Um, he also can't use any of his, uh, his, his angelic abilities in front of her, which is interesting. Uh, we find out later that she was a gift from God that her parents couldn't conceive and that his brother actually gifted them this ability to conceive a child. And Chloe was the offspring of that. And so there's a very weird dynamic that becomes very soap opera-ish uh, before too long. The first season was really edgy and really interesting and really crazy. Uh, as the seasons progressed, it got a little more soap opera with the characters they introduced, uh, the way they developed some of the characters. One of the most interesting characters was their um, forensic scientist lady. I uh, wish they would have done more with her. She's very interesting. Um, but as the show progressed, uh, we get to meet other angels in the process. Uh, Ezekiel at a certain time comes and tries to kill him and has this, has this dagger, they call it Ezekiel's blade, that apparently can have the ability to kill an immortal. Um, you know, all of this is very interesting and in, in the way they, they thread it. Uh, he has a demon who's his, I guess, works for him. Uh, Lilith, not Lilith. Uh, what's her name? 
I can't think of her name. Anyway, doesn't matter. Neat chick. Um, in the show, she, you know, becomes a bounty hunter at a certain point, and they introduce Adam and Eve into the show, and like it just becomes very soap opery, but it's still good. Like the final, the final half of the final season, they introduce God, who's the the dude that does the Allstate commercials with the deep voice, like mine is right now. You were in good hands with Allstate. Like he does the thing, and he, you know, safe driving means blah 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 blah. So anyway, that guy. Um, it's always during football season you see that guy. But anyway, he plays God in this, and he's supposedly getting too old to do the job, and he feels like he's becoming absent-minded, and, you know, there's this whole plot, apparently, to overthrow him, and then at a certain point, he's going to retire, and then there's a there's a vacuum of authority, and then there's a big battle, and at the end, Lucifer becomes God. It's a very weird story, but it's also very reminiscent of the idea of what if people could become these incarnations of immortality? What if people could become these positions of authority? What if people could become the things that we don't think are actual jobs, like fate and time and the God of war and stuff like that? What if that were possible? Um, oh, cool. So, <laughs> sorry, I got a text from Greg. Uh, he's working on the new logos for the 95 band. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so Lucifer ended on a very interesting note with him becoming God and all the other angels having to bow to him basically. And he does so in a very interesting way that makes him, it is sort of as it's written to be like, he has to be selfless. He has to do things because it, because he's in love and because it's not about him. For the first time ever, he has to act completely selfless. And he does. And it, the storyline of the last episode is cool. Even the action sequence is pretty cool, the way they've done it out. So anyway, Lucifer was cool, I, even though I really dug the first season more than all the others. Um, I like the characters in it, mostly. Uh, Dan is pretty interesting. Chloe's ex-husband, very interesting guy. Uh, but... Yeah, so moving on, uh, I also watched The Kaminsky Method. The Kaminsky Method has Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. I may have talked about this before, but I'm, I don't know if I have. Uh, Kathleen Turner plays his ex-wife. Uh, there is a scene from Danny DeVito in there. Uh, they've done, obviously, movies before, War of the Roses, uh, Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile, stuff like that. Um, he is uh, Michael Douglas is the main character. Alan Arkin is his best friend. Michael Douglas plays an older actor who never seemed to make his big break. Now he has an acting studio where he teaches young actors to be actors. And Alan Arkin plays his best friend who is a popular uh, director, producer, agent. And season three is with Alan Arkin's passing. Like he passed in real life. And so they sort of had to write that into the storyline. Uh, they had kind of wrote it into the storyline in season two with him being diagnosed. Um, and there was a lot of reflection and a lot of discussion about him passing. And it sounds like a kind of a, a, a dud of a show, but it's funny. There's a lot of funny moments. There's a lot of comedy in this. Um, there are a lot of comedic actors in this as well. Um, you'll recognize them as soon as you watch them. Paul Reiser is in there. Like I had to kind of, 
I had to kind of take a pause for a moment and go, is this, is this the guy from Mad About You? But it is. It's, it's Paul Reiser. Uh, you know, he's gained a weight like most of us and lost a lot of hair like a lot of us. Um, and his character is kind of funny in the show. He's dating Michael Douglas's daughter in the show. And he's way older. And so there's this weird dynamic of him feeling more like he relates to the dad than the, than the daughter. And anyway, the last season is really great. They did a great job of it. Haley Joe Osmond is in it. He plays Alan Arkin's grandson in it. Uh, apparently he was big into Scientology. <laughs> and there's a lot of jokes that have to do with that. Uh, his daughter in the show. I don't know who she is, but she's a very good actress. She apparently was in rehab after rehab after rehab. And whenever he passed away, she had this weird speech about how she figured it up on paper and she'd cost her dad like $1.2 million and all the rehab that she's had and none of it ever worked, but she wanted to create a, a, a program from the money that he left her to uh, start up a clinic for people to have rehab. And <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so ridiculous and poking fun at itself in all different kinds of ways, but also it's really good. Like there's heartfelt moments in it that are really touching and really beautiful. And I don't think enough people are going to watch it just because of the name. They're going to be like, eh, what is this? I don't care. Watch it. Kaminsky method. It's really good. It's really good. Morgan Freeman makes a few appearances in the final season as well. Um, real interesting character. So I highly recommend watching it. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about, <clears throat> let's talk about the bad batch. The bad batch came out this last week on Friday. Um, I wanted to talk to Greg about it a little bit, but he, uh, is not quite there yet, but the bad batch is, is winding up here where Omega has been taken by a bounty hunter named Cad Bane. Cad Bane is very integral in the Clone Wars. Um, he is a really ruthless bounty hunter with a quick draw. And we get to see an example of that quick draw when he guns down Hunter. Uh, luckily, Hunter survives somehow through his armor. Uh, but Cad Bane is a ruthless bounty hunter who, uh, secret time, gets killed by Boba Fett at a certain point. Like He ends up working for Boba Fett for a while. And then there's a face off and Boba Fett kills him in the future. It's kind of weird being introduced to characters that you know how they're going to die. Um, <laughs> but he's like, nobody else can beat him. Like it, it ends up being him versus Boba Fett at the end. Like it's crazy. Um, but yeah, Cad Bane. So Cad Bane takes Omega and we learn that this is sort of a pursuit of the Caminos. They're, they're the ones who created the clones and the uh, clone army and, you know, created the stormtroopers and, and they feel that their job is being completely removed. And it's probably the truth. Um, we see in this series how the empire is realizing that the clones are becoming less and less effective uh, because the DNA strands apparently are getting weaker and weaker. And we get to see them, you know, becoming less effective troops and they realize at a certain point they can just recruit people to take the job and teach them how to be proper troops and, and how it's way more cost effective. And so Crosshair is supposed to be part of that group. Crosshair was one of the original Bad Batch that they used that microchip in his brain to enact Order 66 to have him go after Jedi. And he kept saying the mantra over and over again, good soldiers follow orders. So Crosshair was 
like the first one who was teaching these these civilian the what do you call them stormtroopers death troopers to being like elite level stormtroopers and follow orders to the letter of the law whatever they say you do and so he is sort of responsible for starting this off but also in this episode crosshair is severely injured uh they pursue the team on on this like salvage yard type thing and the guys are hiding out in this old ship and trying to get some things running so that they can take the microchip out of their brains to stop this order 66 from enacting and causing them to turn on each other and in the process they get discovered by some salvage workers and they get reported to the empire and the empire sends crosshair and these troops down to stop them so in this capturing moment uh they they try to escape and they somehow end up in the afterburner of this ion reactor of a of a old empire republic type ship i'm not sure which and they turn the engines on and the guys in the pursuit of escaping trigger these detonations that then alter the engine's path and it ends up burning crosshair's face like it severely damages his his body he barely survives and i think because of that they are going to out him they're going to they're going to push him aside and he's going to find himself sort of a rebel without a cause kind of situation like the empire is going to look at him and be like well he's broken move on because that was sort of their mo you know we're going to use you until you have no more use for us and then we'll get rid of you and we'll replace you you know kind of like corporate america so (laughs) or just corporations period it didn't have to be America. It could be just corporations, period. Um, but yeah, so that's going to happen. And the Caminos, I don't know what their pursuit of Omega is, but she is definitely a clone. She appears to be somewhat Force-sensitive, is my theory. Uh, she has this weird ability to manipulate and and sort of have this connection to animals in a way that only Jedi have. She can sense when things are going to happen, and she sort of... I don't know. There's just a heightened awareness that she has that makes me think she's force sensitive. So maybe the Caminos are thinking we're, we've, you know, we've developed her DNA to be force sensitive and we're going to make clones of her to make a better trooper in a way. And I don't think they're going to get to that point. I think that the empire actually gets rid of Camino. I mean, I've heard online that the empire at a certain time just gets rid, get just gets sick of dealing with the Caminos and they blast their planet with the Death Star. So that may be part of it. I mean, that may be that may be the big sad storyline that I read about where the uh, the guy who does the musical score said he was told to write a very sad music that makes you want to cry for the final scene. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the episode. Maybe that's the moment that we watch and go, whoa. Because that way you get to keep the band together, you know the Bad Batch themselves, and Omega. And I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. We know that Cad Bane survives because he lives to fight another day. Um, But he definitely got his job done. So I am going to be tuning into that uh, this Friday. I don't know how many episodes they're going to have of the Bad Batch, but hey, the the more they have, the better. I'm I'm enjoying this. This is sort of like, uh, to me, it's the Clone Wars Season 8. Like... (laughs) They just, to me, they just kept going with the Clone Wars and they're telling you what happened after Order 66 happened. Like, this is great. This is good content for me. 
So anyway, I'm enjoying that. Um, Again, I talked to Greg a little bit about uh, the Burt Kreischer, Casey Neistat interview on the Burt cast. And I recommend everybody check it out on YouTube. It's very good. Um, I don't think that Casey or Burt get enough praise for the things that they've created and their ability to create. But also, it's a good conversation that not enough creators get to have. Um, Especially because most creators are not as successful as these two guys. These two guys sort of changed the game as they were doing it and did it without anybody's approval. Like they basically just kept saying, I'm not waiting for anyone to tell me I can or can't do this. I'm just going to do it. And they just kept creating and kept creating and kept creating. And it was really everybody else that caught up to them with the content. And there is, I think Casey said over 800 episodes of his daily vlog that he put out every single day. They were like, they were like miniature movies, every single one of them, around 10 minutes long on average. Uh, but he would film hours and hours of content to boil it down to about 10 minutes. And it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, it's nothing short of amazing. Uh, Casey doesn't get enough credit for inspiring other people, for helping them create their own content, for giving them a platform when no one else would. Um, likewise, Bert does take a moment to tell him it's because of the things that you did during this time that I watched every episode and I got invested and I decided to emulate a lot of the things you were doing. And along the way, all my friends were telling me I was an idiot and I was, and I was, wasn't thinking clearly and I was, you know, doing this for nothing. And he said, in every step of the way, I just kept thinking, but it matters to me. But what, what Casey built, I can do like he showed me the blueprint. All I got to do is follow it and follow it and follow it. And so he did. And in a way, that's the same thing that I did. I took a lot of the stuff he was saying and I applied it. Um, you know, he bought a certain camera, the G7X Mark II. I went out and bought the G7X Mark II. He talked about the the drone. I went out and bought the drone. I mean, you know, if Casey was, was promoting something and he showed you how it worked, I was like, I got to get that. That sounds... And it was all tangible. Like it wasn't crazy, but there's certain lessons that he talked about in his videos that I still talk about today. He says, a lot of people would ask him, you know, what's the perfect camera to use? And he said, my answer is the first one you can grab in your hands, like the whatever you can grab in your hands. If you have the ability to get a good camera in your hands, then do it. But if it weighs 20 pounds and you need to do something very active, then don't grab that one. Like sometimes your phone is the best answer. Sometimes it's a GoPro. Sometimes it's your whatever. If you need the big expensive camera and, and you have it within hand and you can use it, then use the big camera because the big camera's got the better picture. But sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes it is your phone. Sometimes you just need to be able to grab it and go. And so, you know, I get asked that all the time too. What's the best camera to have? Whatever you can get your hands on. See, here's the thing. A lot of people think they have to start with gear first. You don't. Start with an idea first. Start with an idea. Everything else will follow. But you have to do the work. No one is going to show up at your door. No one's going to knock on it and be like, hey, we heard you had an idea. You have to make it. So if you're a creator out there, get off your butt, stop listening to me and create some stuff. Okay? 
if you want to collaborate, you want to work together, reach out to me. I'll help you as much as I can. There's a lot I wish I could create that I don't have the time to. There's a lot I wish I could do that I don't have the time to. I want to make a mount for this camera, this this one you guys are looking at on YouTube. I want to make a mount for this camera and do some crazy shots with this thing. I want to be able to do a gyroscopic shot where it goes like like a tunnel, you know? Maybe a lazy Susan with a with a bracket built into it. So it spins on an axis. You know what I mean? I want to be able to do that. I think that I got a weird idea for doing that. I mean, listen. I realize none of it makes sense to most people. But I'm talking to a very small audience of people right now who go, yeah, I've always wanted to do that too. <laughs> I want to play around with this stupid ring light. I want to do more stuff with the ring light. If you guys are watching YouTube right now, you're like, hey, I can see his face really well. That's because I got the window open over here for light and I got a ring light on this side. And so it makes my face look better. I mean, obviously I'm not pretty or anything, but you know, it is lit well. <laughs> And you can kind of see my eyes. Ooh, look at there. I'm looking at my eyes. Thank you to Amber for helping me pick out this, this camera lens. This camera lens is really nice. I'm digging it. Wow. So anyway, um, I am watching a couple of shows right now that uh, I'm not super into, but I'm watching them for content. Uh, one of them is season two of Black Summer on Netflix. Now, Black Summer is a zombie movie or a zombie show. Um, I watched season one, and basically every episode was just a very high-tempo, high-fast-paced version of, uh, hey, let me introduce you to this character. Oh, no, now they're killed and they're a zombie. Oh, let, wait, there's this other character. Oh, no, now they're killed and they're a zombie. Oh, wait, well, there's, there's this other character. Oh, they barely escaped. Oh, no, now they're a zombie. Like, Like, it's... My brother and I have this theory that the faster the zombie, the more terrifying it is. The more slow the zombie is, the funnier it is. So like Shaun of the Dead, hilarious. They're barely moving. He gets to have a lot of fun with it. There's lots of jokes involved. You know, the old Night of the Living Dead, even though they were very slow, you could, there were still jokes involved in it because it was time for jokes. You know, you watch something like World War Z or, or this <laughs> or 28 Days Later or something like that. That's when you're like, oh, crap. Like it's a, these fast moving zombies, you're like, ah, like there's a certain frantic, franticness to it. Um, this is no different. I mean, the conversion of them dying to turning into a zombie is pretty quick. And there's little time for dialogue. It's just fast paced, oh my God, you know, heart palpitations moments. Um, I don't even know if I'd call this horror as much as I'd call it just suspense. This, this show is full of suspense. Season two is no different, except that season two, to me, is filmed in a weird way that we're being introduced to characters almost in reverse order. Um, I've watched several episodes so far, and we're seeing it sort of out of time, like the timeline is not a linear timeline. We're introduced to characters and seeing their transition of something traumatic happening, and then it's almost like they went back in time and they're showing you something that happened before that to get them to that point. Not exactly sure how they're doing this artistically. Uh, I am watching it. I don't recommend it for everybody. If you uh, if you get spooked easily, don't watch it. If you're one of those people that are like, I can't watch this stuff near bedtime, watch it during the day with the, with the blinds open like I do. Um, only limit it to a few episodes. Uh, it is very fast-paced, 
lot of stuff happens very quickly. And most of it zombie-ish, zombie-related, you know, gory, nasty zombies. <laughs> Terrifying zombies. Um, so that's called Black Summer. I'm also watching the second season of, well, I don't know if you call it second season or just the second half of Lupin. Lupin came out last year and it was only like six episodes. And this is sort of a continuation of it. And he's supposed to be like a gentleman thief. He based his character on a book that he read when he was a kid. And he's a very achievable, qualified thief. It's a very interesting character. Um, I'm enjoying season two so far, although it's not as interesting as season one so far. Uh, the first six episodes was very intriguing uh, because we didn't know anything about the guy. And so far I've watched like three episodes of the second part and I'm just sort of like, yeah, okay, we'll get through it. Whatever. I feel like I could, st I could stop watching it right now and be fine. Like I don't, I'm not that invested. I was invested earlier. I'm not invested anymore. And I don't know if that's writing or if that's just me personally. Like I just, I got other interests going on. I don't know. I don't know. It has nothing to do with, with, with the characters in the show. The characters are all great. It's the writing, like the story writing itself. Just, I don't know. It just, maybe they went to work on a different project. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, um, there's several things coming up to watch. Uh, <laughs> lots of good content coming right around the corner. Uh, Black Widow is going to be coming around the corner. Um, we've also got some interesting thing with Chris Pratt that's going to be on, I think it's going to be on Amazon Prime. It looks crazy cool. Um, I don't remember the name of it. But uh, but yeah. Oh, I finished watching Panic. Uh, I know I talked to Greg about it a little bit, but Panic on Amazon Prime is... Um, is... I don't know if it's good. It's not bad. But I don't know if it's good. Uh, the only reason I say that is because it sort of has that element of the show 13 reasons why it's um, some terrible things happen and some people survived sort of feel to it, but it's also like they want to keep it going the way it ends. You can tell they want to keep it going, but I don't know if I want to keep watching. So take that for what it is. Uh, this is stuff I heard. I'm going to tell you about the things I like, things I don't like. Hey, form your own opinions. I could be completely wrong. I mean, just because I like something doesn't mean that you do. Or just because I don't like something means that you do, don't, do. I, did, I lost my train of thought on that. Does anyone, did, it, did anybody follow that? Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Self-care, everybody. I'm making spaghetti for dinner. Sorry, you're going to miss it. Uh, it's going to be delicious because I can smell it. <laughs> So anyway, uh, take care, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the content. I will be coming out with more. I have a lot of video that my wife took while she was in Miami. Uh, her and the girls got to take an airboat ride, and they got to go to a neat little, um, what do you call it, like a reptile exhibit with tortoises and snakes and crocodiles and stuff like that. I don't know. I got a lot of video to go through, and I can't quite figure out what I'm going to make from it, but they shot a lot of video for me. 
<laughs> so now I have to put on my, I have to change hats. I have to put on my editor's hat and go, okay, what story are we going to tell? So if you know what I'm talking about, then you fully understand. So, all right, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, share this with your friends. And uh, listen, comments do help me figure out what to do. I know sometimes I get comments and I reply back and some people are like, hey, I'm just trying to help. I'm like, I, I understand. I understand. Um, I am, I am learning to work through some issues on this. So this is a growing process. We're doing it together, together. So there's that. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Take care. And as always, cue the cow.